This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. The thing I am most proud of, though, is I worked extremely hard to get promoted every two years my entire professional career. And I did that um, because I knew I had to work harder, I had to be better, I had to do more in order to be seen for the technical expertise I could bring to the table. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. You know, as a person whose the bulk of their career was in technology and in engineering organizations, I know how hard it is to be a woman of color in a largely male-dominated industry. And did you know that according to research by the Washington Post, only 8% of the C-suite executives are people of color? And according to Corn Ferry, women only make up 25% of the C-suite, with most of them being in HR. For employers interested in truly increasing these numbers, a double focus on both company-led and affinity-led career progression initiatives for diverse star talent is critical. Vicki Wright Hamilton has walked in both of these shoes and says she has the battle scars to show for it. However, she was successful in carving out a pathway of hope and shares with us today how she survived the challenges of making it to the C-suite as a woman of color in tech and why it is critical for all leaders not to forget to be allies for the next generation. Be sure to listen to her addition to our leadership execution playbook and my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use today's episode's insights to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, Game Changers. I am super excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Ms. Vicki Wright-Hamilton. Um superstar extraordinaire as you're going to find on so many levels you name it tech personal life uh executive mentor sister girl mentor you name it she's that but we're um, extremely thrilled and honored to have her on our podcast episode so welcome miss vicky and are you ready to open up that leadership playbook Yes, I'm ready to do that. (laughs) All right. Well, um, before we get into the meat of everything, um, for as much as you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing a little bit about your personal and professional background? Well, thank you so much for asking, Karen. And I think the easiest way to sum it up is I wrote a book called Game Face um, by a tech warrior. And I truly include a balance of being a professional 
as well as the personal triumphs. I truly believe we're 180 and we can't go to work and leave things behind. We can't come home and leave it behind because it's still somewhere there. We can compartmentalize, but we can't do that. So um, first and foremost, I am a grandmother. Uh, my name is BB. I have three beautiful grandchildren. Um, I am a mother of uh, two grown men. I have a, a daughter-in-law. Um, I am a wife, a sister, and a friend. And I am just honored to be here um, professionally. I, um, you know, have truly created some building blocks for my own business and kind of took it through a growth trajectory once I started my own business after my corporate life. Now that sounds great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and you've had a very diverse uh, corporate career uh, now that you, you do own your own firm and you do a lot of uh, consulting for some major organizations such as Delta and uh, West Rock and you name it. But um, what the listeners may not understand is that you are also a major player uh, in the tech industry when being a woman and a woman of color in tech uh, was not that common. So can you share a little bit more about your career journey there? Absolutely. So um, I am a technologist by trade. Um, and during the time I was coming along, you know, we hear about being the only in the room, but it truly was the only in the room. Um, you were, there weren't others that looked like you. You didn't have others to look up to. And I always made a promise to myself that as I grew up the ladder, I would always pull others with me as much as I could, um, because I wanted them to know they could be successful too. But through that journey, um, like, um, any woman, and any man. There's lots of people of color that have challenges, but I went through a lot of ups and downs. Um, I went through um, times where they wanted to look at me as um, somebody just filling a seat. You know, we're going to have diversity. Let's just put her in a seat. Now be quiet, be pretty, and, and don't say nothing. You know, we just check in a box, right? That's not my personality. And so because of that, it was like, I'm not here just to occupy a chair. I want to contribute. I want to be part of it. So the challenges were bigger, right? Because I was going against the grain of what they really wanted me to do. The thing I am most proud of, though, is I worked extremely hard to get promoted every two years my entire professional career. And I did that um, because I knew I had to work harder I had to be better. I had to do more in order to be seen for the technical expertise I could bring to the table and take the organizations forward. I think one of the unique things that I did within my career is that I married business with technology. And the challenge is there are a lot of technical people that can only speak our many languages and many acronyms about technology, but have a hard time relating it to business. I was one that could come in and talk about the business aspect, what was happening, and relate technology to it. At that time, that was a big competitive advantage, and it was something that a lot of people couldn't do. So let me just pause there for a second, because you're absolutely right. And one of the things um, you and I have in common is that we both cut our teeth in the tech space. And most people who know me knew that I was almost 14 years at Microsoft. I've been with other engineering firms, and that's kind of where uh, the industries that uh, I played. Um, and so it's very similar to you. Um, I, I absolutely know what kind of 
um, uphill battles <laughs> that you had to to climb. But people should know that you rose through the ranks up to the C-suite. Um, so while it was challenging, um, you did so. And one of the things that we both have in common is I did the same exact thing and trying to do my best to set myself up for some type of promotion every 18 to 24 months as well. And I'm going to ask you a question in a minute about, you know, what were some of the things that you did or actions or tactics to kind of set yourself up. Um, But quickly, I'd love to share that one of the things I used to do is every performance review, I would always ask the question to my manager of what would it take for you to feel comfortable in advocating for me when the list of promotions come around next time around? What is it that you would need to see? Um, What type of performance are you looking for? What kind of impact on the business goals do you need to see me make or me help lead? And then I would document the conversation in email saying, okay, this is what I heard during our one-on-one. I want to make sure I capture that correctly. And I did it not to trap them, but to make sure that they knew I was serious about what I needed to do to help them and the business. And that upon getting that done and executing on that, that I would be anticipating help to the next step so, and, or help but to the next level. You or say that, Karen, because one of the things mm-hmm. that I did as an experience was as I learned because I had bad bosses, because that only works as long as the boss you're talking to is really in your favor. I got sponsors yeah, outside right. of my boss. I had oh, yeah, champions that. that were outside that could go in that room and speak the language. So even yes. if my boss would say to me, this is what I expect you to do, and I would deliver, I would have to have other contingencies, if you will, that would be oh, in the room to say, oh, wait a minute, but she did this for us. She did that for us. So it was really right. about spreading that sponsorship, those champions. Right. So what you did is absolutely right. And I just try to take it one step further because as during my era, during that time, I realized I had to have as many as I could coming into the room um, so that when they right. got a seat to the table, they said, wait a minute, Vicky did this, Vicky did that. We can't discount that. <laughs> That's right. You know? And when you help somebody out get their objectives, they're more apt to set up to the table to help you. So that's why I tell people, no, don't think it's right. just your manager. There are many yes. ways to have success. And don't let one individual stop you from your growth and development. You just have to have a strategy around it. You do. And, you know, we're both strategy people, so we could probably talk about this all day. But um, one of the other tips that I, you know, coach my clients and one of the things I had done, to your point, is when you have sponsors, you need to help your sponsors understand how to speak for you. Mm -hmm. So that includes giving them a couple of talking points, bullet points, things that you have done just as quick reminders, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be over coffee or whether it be formalized in a note or email to them, just Mm -hmm. so that they have the data that they need to feel comfortable in standing up for you. Your sponsors, they love you anyway. They're your cheerleaders, right? But they want to make sure that they're articulating things correctly and that they have the facts right. And it's up to you to provide that to them versus just hoping that they observe it. 
Do you agree exactly. or no? Or I completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. And you can't do it too much. <laughs> no, you can't. You have to be very good at writing on that. So, Vicki, I'd love for you to share. Um, Let's get let's pull back the layers of the onion a little bit. I'd love for you to share a, a specific instance where, you know, as a leader, you had to make a tough decision. And how did you think through approaching that and, you know, leading through um, whatever that initiative is or whatever it is that you had to, to do? Can you share an example? Absolutely. And I have one story um, that, that I share um, that I really think was the impetus of the turning of my career because I was going from senior leadership to the C-suite. So it was, um, I was running an organization and, um, and I was a SVP, um, in a, uh, in a particular, in a particular group running all of our global, um, support and project management and application development and land, land and things like that. And I was doing a performance review for a woman that worked for me, and she was a woman of color, a black woman. And I was talking to HR preparing for this review. And so I told HR what I wanted to do. I said, um, it's time for her to be promoted. And, um, and it's, you know, she's done everything that needs to be done. We need to promote her to a VP. And his response to me was, and this was a, a man um, of color as well. Um, and so he looked at me and he goes, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And I said, no what's promoter? wrong? Why not? Yeah. Well, oh he, was, um, he was uh, Hispanic. And he said, okay. no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And I said, why not? What's wrong? Why would I not promote somebody who's earned it? And he said, well, if you promote her, they're going to think they don't need you anymore. And you don't want to work your, you don't, you don't want them to let you go. So if they don't need her right. anymore and you promote her, you know, that's going to look bad. Don't do that. Wow. And I turned around to him and I said, you know what? I'm going to do what's right and mm-hmm. what's right for the organization and what's right for her. And if they feel mm-hmm. as though they don't need me anymore, then it's time for me to go find another job. You talk about diversity <laughs> goals, I'm reaching a diversity yeah. goal. You talk about promotion and opportunities, I'm doing that. So if it means I got to go find another job, I'm, I'm going to absolutely do it with pride because it gives me joy to reward her as she has earned this. Oh, and he sat wow. back and he said, okay, do what you want to do, but I'm telling you. Well, um, she did get promoted. Oh, and he good. Was like, he, he was right that they were like, well, we got to, we're too top heavy over here. Maybe we ought to do something. And they moved me over to the business side um, to run another business unit. And okay. I knew that they were just putting me in a slot. But, you know, I'm mm. a woman of faith and I knew God had my back. <laughs> now, even though I was scared and nervous from the fact that I didn't know, but I had to have faith to believe. I had to trust right. that it was going to be okay. I get Which a phone call. Sometimes. <laughs> Boy, who are you telling? I get a phone call, <laughs> and it was an opportunity for a COO role. 
And I was going to get two things in my toolbox I didn't have. One, I was going to be on my first board. I was going to be sitting with the board, have a seat at the table, making decisions, number one. And number two, I was directly in the C-suite. I was working with the president side by side. And I said, and these are private investors. So I'm going to get investment experience. I'm going to get board experience. And I'm going to work directly with the president. So I took the role. Now, here's what's unique. I took the role, but I did a side step in compensation. I didn't get any more money. I didn't get anything else because I knew I was well compensated, but I was going to an organization that would allow me the opportunity to grow and develop. So it wasn't about the money. It was about the tools in my toolbox to prepare me for the next opportunity. So I did that. And you saw that then? You saw you saw that potential at that time when that opportunity came? That's why I made the decision. Before saw that? Wow. Yeah, amazing. I, that's why I made the decision. I made the decision because at that point, I was like, whatever you do, you've got to get something out of this. So when I started evaluating either staying in the role they put me in just to be here versus a new role, I always wanted to be a COO. And I was going to get an opportunity to do it. And it was a way for me to try it. Maybe I thought I wanted to, and that ain't really what I want to do. But I could validate it, right? So I knew that I was getting something out of it, that if it didn't work out, I was at least getting some tools in my toolbox. And so I did it. I walked in with faith. This is what I'm going to do. And I did it. And um, because it was privately held and with investors, I walked in with open eyes. If they ever decided they wanted to sell, they would sell a company. And of course, I'm sitting here going, okay, if you sell and I get some stock and I'm part of this, hmm, let's see, money, money, money. Who's really losing out on this deal, right? What does that really mean? Um, and we did sell the company. But that was one of the biggest pivotal moments in my career where I had to be courageous. I had to take the steps. And I think you put it well, leading with courageous agility out of your book where you truly talk about doing what's right, but having that courage to move forward. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for mentioning one of the tactics in my book, uh, Late at the Top of Your Game, Um, because one of the questions I was going to ask you is if any of those um, tactics were very instrumental in, um, you know, your leadership efforts. And that's one of them. And I'm just curious. Curious, was there something else that popped out? I got one more of a tactic. Ooh, I was okay. driving results. As I said, oh, yes, I was driving results. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we're greatly rewarded for that, I must say, it sounds like. <laughs> that is fantastic. Awesome. So also, um, so thank you so much, um, Vicky, for sharing that story, because a lot of um, individuals aren't um, are nervous or aren't comfortable of being vulnerable. I and mean, that is um, a great story because I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, professionals that are in a similar situation that are going to have to make tough decisions when it comes to um, promoting and or supporting members of their teams, um, going directly toe-to-toe with um, colleagues or peers that have a different perspective than they do um, and still standing up for what they believe in while also, you know, 
keeping goals and business on track. And so you have to be multifaceted as a leader. I think Um, you think so as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, can you share um, one of the things we try to do in a podcast is, um, and you've given tons of nuggets already, but if there is one that you just want to highlight and leave as um, an entry into our playbook, our leadership execution playbook, what is um, a piece of advice or something that you'd like to leave with our listeners that we can add to our playbooks? Well, thank you so much for asking, Karen. There is a book called um, uh, there's a book called Play Like, let's see, Play Like a Man, Win Like a Woman, and it's by Gail Evans. Wow, and I love that I title. Think, I, oh, I loved it too. And she's a wonderful author. She has many books out there. But that book gave me a lot of the foundation of understanding how different men and women are, um, mm. how learning the game understand you know we always say you know i can play the game if i know the rules and sometimes the rules aren't defined they're not as crystal clear as we would like Mm -hmm. them and what she points out is understanding how they make decisions when they make decisions the process they go through um how the people they put around them the things that happen there um and Using your personality, still not losing your <laughs> authentic self, still not losing Love the that. things that you bring to the table. And so mm-hmm. it was so powerful for me to go, oh my gosh, I don't have to lose being a woman. I just need to be able to augment what I have and understand how mate does it. What do they do? Yes. You no, know, I used to yes. get so confused about. How can y'all be in this room arguing like cats and dogs and then get on the golf course and go play golf and say, hey, man, how you doing? They keep playing golf. I was like, That's wait right. a minute, how does this work? And, you know, right. it was really understanding that they didn't take it personal. They went in the room. They said what they had to say. They could fight like, fight like cats and dogs. And then they could get on the golf course and hit that ball and, and talk about what they were doing and have a drink. Right. That's right. That's did, right. I, I think that book was a great foundation in the tips and tricks and the things that she shares about being able to play like them, but win like yourself and, and not lose your authenticity. That's what I would say. I love that. Um, so we're thank you so much for sharing that book, uh, Play Like a Man, Win Like a Woman by Gail Evans. I'll put those in our show notes. Um, but I also happen to know that you've written a book as well. And I don't want us to get off this podcast without you sharing a little bit about that as well. So will you share that with our listeners? Absolutely. I wrote a book called um, Game Face um, by a Tech Warrior um, as a technologist and an African-American woman coming up during the times. I took an opportunity to be vulnerable. Um, I think one of the things that becomes very hard is as professionals, we worry about being vulnerable. We worry that if people find out certain things about us, how will we be perceived? How will we be looked at? Will uh, will it be used against us? And I wanted that's to. Right. That's why this whole know. Brene Brown um, has 
had that's how I would say the one reason she's been successful, but I think that's what has contributed to her whole offerings is because it hadn't really been talked to at a deep level and tied to mm-hmm. the business world until she did it as a researcher. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. You're right ahead. But, but, no, you're right. But I think that I wanted people to know, yes, I made it to the C-suite. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Because you see all the glory, but you don't know the story of everything that went behind it. And that story um, from all the personal things I had to go through. And I am um, very vulnerable and raw in a lot of the things that I went through. I didn't hide it. Yes, I've been divorced. You know, yes, I've, I've gone through challenges. Yes, I've had some personal traumas. Yes, but I wanted people to find hope at the end of the day. Mm. But I have to credit that to my mother and my brother because they forced me to tell my story because they said you had something to share. And of course, my attitude was, who wants to read it? Who cares? Everybody has a story. But I will <laughs> say that um, after writing the book, not only did was it therapeutic for me to actually look at what had happened over my life. I said, if it only helps one person, it was worth it definitely worth it. And I have been uh, blessed enough to be able to um, get a copy and and have read it. And um, I think it should be a New York bestseller personally, but uh, it really resonated with me. So I appreciate you, your vulnerability and bringing that story to the world. Well, thank you so much for reading it and supporting me. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. Um, also, I want people to understand that there can be life after corporate. And so I want to give you a few seconds to share what you're doing now uh, with your firm. Absolutely. Now, Karen, we can talk about this all day because you did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we did. It. Was it was you. So let the audience know you have two women that, that you know, uh, of color who decided, okay, yeah. it's time to move on. How do we move forward? Yeah. Um, so, right. yes, there is life after corporate. But I have to tell you, I never left corporate and said, oh, I'm going to start my own business. That, that just was not my thing. I was a corporate girl. I thought I was going to be a corporate girl forever. But God gave me yeah. a different plan. <laughs> and God said, you know what? Yes, he did. I need you to be able to spend your time being caregiver which means you got to have flexibility and you couldn't do all the things you needed to do and working in corporates, you need to work for yourself. Um, yeah. And what I did was, is I started as a solopreneur, just as one. Mm. And I said, just let me understand what I can bring to the table and how I can help. And then I did what every company does. I redid my strategy every year. I looked at my growth plan every year, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to add, et cetera. So now it's been 12 years later in November and I have built built a business of many pillars, just like a company does. So one of my business tracks is I have a technology business where I provide um, um, people in the technology area around change management, um, project management, around um, digital transformation. I have another pillar that actually supports what I do um, on my first pillar because when you talk about change management, you're talking about what? People. So it allows me to do coaching and development, not only within corporate, 
but I've been able to do a lot of coaching and development for individual leaders, uh, which has really been gratifying um, in terms of doing that. And then the third piece is of that coaching is that because I do a lot within businesses and helping them and providing strategy to them, guess what? I'm doing business strategy coaching. So I have new entrepreneurs and new businesses that are coming to me going, okay, help me get started. How did you do this? So it's really been, it's really been an evolution of being able to see how I could grow from one to the other and still support. Now, you know, we all have passions and we all have loves. And when I was a little girl, I used to tell my daddy, I said, I know what I want to do when I grow up. And he was like, what? I said, I want to be on TV. I want to have my own show and I want to be a talk show host. And my daddy looked at me and he said, I understand all that, but you've got a lot of technical brains and all of us in education in this household, I need at least somebody to go make some money. So rather than being a starving actor or a starving, you know, host, I need you to take that technology, get into technology and go make some money. And besides that, I was plump. He was like, they don't put plump girls on the screen. We didn't have Oprah Winfrey's and others that had trailblazed the way. So what did I do? Uh I went into technology and continued Mm -hmm. on my technical track of what I've done. So now that I'm in my own business, I said, you know what? I have an opportunity to do a passion. But I can let my passion support my business. How do I do that? That's smart. So I have two shows. One of my shows that's a lifestyle show of providing hope for people who are, who are uh, facing challenges was to provide a platform and a vehicle that was really to support my coaching arm. Really it, to, to help them to understand all the elements of what happens in coaching from many different mm-hmm. perspectives. It wasn't just mine. The other side of my platform um, of my show was to support my business. And it was like, if I'm coaching business clients and I'm doing this, maybe I can provide a platform for other entrepreneurs and small businesses of color to be able to have a platform to explain what they do and share their brand and their business. Because at the end of the day, everything I do is about providing hope and watching other people grow and develop. And I believe everybody's business can be a multi-million dollar business. They just need to be heard. They just need to be known. And I wanted to provide a little bit of a platform to help them to do that. So that's my business. Wow. That's amazing. Gosh, Vicki, that's the epitome of someone taking all the skills and experiences that they have gathered throughout their career on the corporate side and really applying them on the business side of the world. So I know you had a long journey of getting there, but what a gift you're giving back uh, to the world. So I personally thank you, and I'm sure all your clients thank you. And you know, you're going to get a lot more clients after this episode. (laughs) All right. That support. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to round out the episode by doing our last segment, which is called Full Disclosure. Uh, and this is just where we ask a couple of quick questions for folks to get a flavor for things that you like to do and what makes your life a little bit more whole because we are not only business people 
as you said, we live, breathe, we're human. So, and I promise there'll be no gotcha questions. But so my first question to you is, uh, how do you like to decompress? How do you like to decompress or relax? Anybody who knows me knows there's one thing I absolutely love to do, and it's dance. You put music on, and I'm ready to dance. That is my number one release. My second release is that I also do exercising. Um, I work Mm. out um, five days a week, and it keeps me grounded and moving forward. And then the third thing that I do is daily, every morning, regardless, because I go work out, before I go, I set time for my prayer, my meditation, Mm -hmm. and my thought of just what this Mm -hmm. day is going to bring and what I'm looking to accomplish. But that's how I decompress. That's what I do. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. All right. The next question I have for you um, what is your favorite drink or cocktail of choice? And I share this because everybody knows me, knows I know love a nice buttery glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> but either alcoholic or non-alcoholic, what is your favorite <laughs> drink of choice? Well, I, when it comes to wine, I love my Pinot. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I love my Pinot when it comes to wine. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to, I, I also like uh, my coffee. But um, in terms of the alcohol, it's Bailey's and coffee. That, I mean, just, it's just a combination. There. It's like I get my coffee, I get my Bailey's, I'm good to go. Um, so I get like my right. and coffee, yeah, and my wine. <laughs> but I am a herbal tea drinker um, as well. Yeah, I am too. Um, I like yes, to drink I a lot them. of teas um, that help me throughout the day. And, and you know, they, they have all kinds, they have so many, as you know, you're a tea drinker. Um, so they have yes, so many different kinds of teas and you can address different moods, different issues as you're drinking your teas through the day too. So That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what is one pet peeve that you have that you're willing to share? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I, I mean, you know, this will probably not come as, as a surprise, but um, one of my pet peeves is the word of saying I can't. And mm-hmm. it's not possible. I believe anything right. is possible that you want to do. It may not be the way you thought it was going to be, but it's possible. And don't tell me you can't. Anybody can do anything they put their mind to. Can't is not a word in my vocabulary. I understand. It. All right. <laughs> and listeners, I've learned the hard way. And the time I've known Vicki, she keeps me on task. And so I, you know, Sometimes when I'm thinking I quote unquote can't, she'll she'll be your first cheerleader and say, yes, you can. It's just figuring out how to do it. So she is definitely right about that. (laughs) All right. And my last question for you, Miss Vicki, is um, do you have a celebrity leader or celebrity crush or somebody that you would just love to meet someday, either past or present, they could have been living or not living. Who is it would be your dream person that you would love to meet? Oh my gosh. Um, well, living, I would love to meet Renee Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, not living. Um, Oh my gosh, there's so many uh, that that I would love to meet um, and really get to know. 
Um, I would have to say um, President Kennedy. My mother was on his board and served in the White House. And oh, yeah, she was on his board for the mental retardation. And um, Mm -hmm. it was I see all the pictures and I heard all the stories. I would love to be able to sit down and talk to him. Wow, I bet that would be fascinating. And that's an amazing opportunity for your mom as well. Gosh. Yes. Yeah. She was on she was on his board and uh, knew him obviously very, very well. Um and she was for special education and um dealing with um helping with the mental retardation programs and all of that and um did did a lot while she was on uh served in President Kennedy's cabinet. And so I would just love to have a conversation with him and, and learn more about him and also hear about what my mama did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell me, was she really like this? Because let me tell you how she was with us. Is it really like this? Well, yes, I'd love to have the opportunity to talk to him. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Vicki, for your time uh, with both myself and the listeners. Uh, we have received a ton of nuggets of information. And if I can just say so myself, you are truly one that is leading at the top of her game. And uh, we thank you for your time. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for the opportunity and allowing me to share my story uh, with your listeners. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Vicki Wright Hamilton. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources on leadership advocacy and allyship can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform and at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take. You know, all exemplary leaders are renowned for advocating for deserving members of their professional circles. And today I want to share three actions you can take to be more skilled at being an ally or an advocate. The first tip is to tell them that you are their advocate. Great leaders don't make others assume reality. They create and communicate reality. This will help ensure that both parties prepare for deeper, meaningful conversations on skill sets and goals, and that the subject of your advocacy knows that you have their back. The second tip is strategically choose when to give public praise in front of senior leaders. Read the room and choose the best time to exert the power of your influence to speak up for others. Don't make random comments in a meeting, and when you do choose to speak up, Try to tie your comments to a need or pain point that the company is experiencing that the person that you're speaking about can help solve. And the third tip, prepare for pushback. Be aware that the conversation may be challenging. Your audience may not know the subject of your advocacy as well as you do, or may bring up conflicting data or firsthand experiences. Arm yourself with your own set of overwhelming facts to win them over. If you want more info on developing stronger leadership acumen, you can find it on our website by using the short link bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, forward slash develop your game. Thanks for listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. 
Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.